morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name is Jacques. get to serve here together with Debbie and Runel and my wife, Nita, as uh, eldership couples here at church. Oh, it's my privilege again to, to share this morning, and um, I'm continuing with a name uh, grouping, if you like, in terms of choosing. Um, and for those who maybe, for whatever reason, you couldn't make the previous two services or, or sermons, if you haven't listened to it, please listen to it, because I'm going to build a bit on that and, and continue with that, but I'm not going to work through it in that much detail, otherwise we'll have two service, two sermons in one. Um, it just takes a little bit longer, but today, um, let me start just by just consecrating this time. Father, we yeah, thank you that I just consecrate this, my mind and my heart to you as I just share. Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, just for your guidance and yeah, that you just come and open our eyes for how you see things, Father. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, sermon is choose, choose eyes of faith. Elsa, I'm missing you here in front this morning. <laughs> um, choose with eyes of faith. And it, what it speaks to is for us as followers of Christ, we need to see things differently than the world sees it. Um, if, if we follow Christ, we cannot have the same hopes as the world for how the future will unfold. And we should have a different hope for the future. And, I mean, how does, how does our perceptions of the future get informed? Generally speaking, it's about past experiences that we have, the news we read, the YouTube videos we check, the, the series we watch online, all those kind of like inform the underlying or subconscious, so to speak, and when we get new information or there's a new scenario in our life, we pre basically project that to try and understand what is the future going to look like. Um, so if, if Louis throws a ball at me, I'll duck because I'm... Uh, prior experience will tell me that it might hit my face, so I react. So we tend to, based on what we see or what we perceive, will we'll react. And um, to take that example a little bit further, if I have a past experience of Louis throwing me really hard in the face, I would rather duck than try and catch the ball, right? But if I have a past experience of Louis throwing the ball and I'm catching it, my mind or subconscious would tell me it's friendly activity, you can catch the ball. It's exactly the same scenario I'm in, you know. If um, Nordia has an experience of Louis throwing him hard in the face and I have an experience of Louis throwing the ball at me, we'll react differently even though the facts, the scenario is exactly the same. It's Louis standing there with a ball. Hey, it's Louis. Um, Nordia would say, hey, it's Louis. You know, it's, it's how we perceive it. Um, and for us, in, in, a, in a Christian sense, it's 
choosing to see things, it's realizing that we have lenses through which we see the world. And to see the world through the character being informed by the God's character rather than prior experiences or the world as the world sees it. And I think the thing is that I realize all the more is we need to choose which lenses are we going to wear. We can't assume, and that may be a narrative that's been through the series, is we can't assume once Christian, always Christian. Hey, I've been brought up in a Christian household. My parents were Christian. Obviously, I'm going to choose Christian. It's, a, it's about following Jesus, and his ways are different from ours many times, and we need to change to, to become more like him. So we need to choose to see like Christ, to see things away um, of the kingdom. And we started with choosing, choosing God, then we moved to choosing community. Um, and I almost want to say, I wanted to not speak about choosing the, our, our lenses outside of a context of choosing community first. Because otherwise we can become very individualistic in the way we see things, our dreams, our visions, and it, it becomes this whole thing of what I see. But it's so important to realize that God created us for community, and it's from that place that we then also um, go on with this. So, eyes of faith. I mean, how can I not have Hebrews 11 in there? I'll read for us. Stefani said I should read scriptures three times today. It might take a little bit long, um, Stefani, but I think the importance is scripture speaks for itself many ways, so I'll, I'll try and hover on it. Um, is everything working? Thanks. Um, so now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received the commendation, commendation. And by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Faith is the assurance of things hopeful, the conviction of things not seen. So, so faith is almost that expectation that we have in towards is having, a, having faith that something is going to happen almost is that expectation that we have in terms of how things would unfold. If, God, if we feel God has led us into something, we have faith that is going to come through. So we have an expectation that he's going to come through. So therefore, we act according to that faith. Um, if I switch on the light, I have faith that the light switch is going to push electricity through to the light, and therefore there's going to be light. So I have faith in the light switch and how the electricians set everything up. And we can see there that it's the act of faith that distinguished our ancestors, um, that set them above the crowd. So it's not a, a natural thing almost. When we look at the world, they don't walk in this faith. It's, they see things separately, and we can see there that um, the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. So the assurance of things hoped for, things that we are hoping for, ideal end, um, and then the conviction of things not seen. So there's something that's not visible, 
uh, visible things come to be from things that are not visible. Uh, does that make sense? Um, so through that is just faith. And 2 Corinthians 5 or 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. So we'll see things that are not visible yet. They're not visible yet, but we hope for them. We have assurance, the conviction that they are as real as if they are in front of you. And that's what God is calling us for, is not to walk according to circumstances, to see things the way that they already are. It's not a case of seeing as believing, but it's we're seeing it, and therefore we act. We go in that direction. It's like God's promises when he led the Israelites out of Egypt, he had a promise. They acted on it and they walked accordingly. Amen? Um, there's a, I think it's an Afrikaans saying, but it translates quite well as, where there's a will, there's a way, and later the will becomes the way. Say it again. Where there's a will, there's a way, and later the will becomes the way. That almost speaks to that reality for me of faith. There's where there's a will, where there's a, um, assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of not, things not seen, that makes a way, and later that becomes a way. Initially we, walk by f- initially, we walk by faith, but that then later on changes the way we walk. And that applies just to how we see. In Matthew 6, verse 21 to 24, it starts, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will, your heart will be also. That links to what we shared last time in terms of um, Proverbs 4 that says, God your heart above all things, for out of it flows the issues of life. And what we treasure in our heart, or what, what we treasure, that's basically an indication of where our heart is. Um, your time, your money, your effort, all of those things, if that's your treasure, then later that forms your heart. So we spoke about last time about how the desires of our heart is basically what makes the decisions for us. Good news is the desires of our heart is not only intellectually formed in the way of getting more information, but there's also, they also get changed by our habits and what we do. So what uh, and that's so why um, liturgy and rhythms and things like that is so important, habits, because over time, they form our hearts. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, if, if, you, if there's someone sitting next to the street, worst case scenario, you walk past, and each time you see him, you don't have any hard feelings towards him, and you spit on him. I mean, worst case. You spit on him, next day you do the same. You do that for 90 days. You're going to start harboring feelings of hatred and ill will towards that person. Even though you started off, you didn't really have any hard feelings against him, but just by that act. And the other way around, if you walk past and you serve or give someone almost mechanically, you make the decision you're going to do that, over time your heart follows suit and you start harboring feelings of, of love towards that person. It's the Tim Keller uses it in marriage, and I think it applies to everything else, but just that fact that your heart over time also follows your actions, and therefore we cannot discount our actions and say, because of the way things are done at work, 
um, or our circumstances led us to these actions, um, but that's separate from our heart. We can't, in that sense, over long periods of time, separate it um, because it has a forming, uh, discipling effect on our hearts. We get discipled by our circumstances if we allow it and just almost submit to it. Um, so we see there, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Then it goes on in verse 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of a body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So we see there that the importance of the eye, how we perceive things, the lenses we wear, has that effect of almost cultivating... Go, I don't know if the English word coercing is the right word to use. Maybe it's the wrong context. But just it, how, what we see, what comes through our eyes, through our lenses, has a forming effect on our heart. Um, so, and our desires will influence what we see or want to see. I mean, if, if you look at a Springbok World Cup final before the kickoff, our desires told us we're going to win, right? Apart from intellect, we wanted to see them winning. So that's what we see. But culture, generally speaking, also has an influence on what we see. Or Debbie uh, likes to say how we play the movie forward. So you see something happening and then we tend to play the movie forward. And that's how our brains are designed. The DRB and other people that does industrial psychology and understands the brain, I know there's certain terms, um, and uh, is it your amygdala or? There's different parts of your brain that has exactly that purpose, that when something happens, it triggers it, and it pushes it to other parts and says, okay, you have to act accordingly. And, and that's to protect ourselves. So in our flesh, we easily go into that mode of, protecting ourselves um, and, and all that. So, and just speaking then through the lenses that we're wearing, it speaks to the, that lenses that we're wearing. There's, um, play along, but there's a story of uh, two fish swimming down the stream and then uh, a frog is sitting on the outside and asking them, how's the water? And the two fish is asking each other, what is water? Because they're so in the water, they don't realize they're in water. It's what they've known all this time. And it's the same with the lenses we wear. We've been wearing it all this time, so we're not even aware we're seeing things through this way. Hey, that's how everyone sees it, right? And many times the lenses that we wear is filled with fear and anxiety. We almost think about the worst case because that's also what the world feeds on, right? media, social media, um, I mean, clickbait, whatever. It's about that fear and anxiety that it wants to stir up in us and just almost want to say what the spirit of this world wants us to is to think through fear and anxiety. And Aubrey so nicely prayed through that um, 1 John 4 that says that perfect love casts out fear. Um, God's love casts out fear. God does not want us to wear the lenses of fear and anxiety when thinking about things. 
okay? And it's, it's not a case, it can be exactly the same circumstances, but interpreted differently. And I'm not speaking to is the glass half full, glass empty. It's not about positivity, it's about hope. What is our out brief, um, the, the hoped outcome, the ideal outcome? And that's where God wants to come in. As we choose to follow him, we need to renew our vision, our lenses, the way we interpret things. And we'll, we'll see um, that a, a little more. But um, we need to align our sights where, where we feel God is leading us. Align your diet, so to speak, what you take in with your destiny. Okay, your resources, your time spent, what you take in. Align that with your destiny and where God is taking you. So we spoke last time about some of the lenses that we, we notice in Western culture. Um, the way we see things, it just speaks to the individual nature of the lenses we have. We said you have to be true to yourself. In the end, do what makes you happy. And no one should, should tell anyone what is right or wrong. Those are the standard lenses that we almost wear when we look at things and when we project things and decide whether this is good or bad. It's probably um, our standard set of lenses that we come out with. But when we follow Jesus, we need to choose to go the other direction, choose to, to swim upstream. We should deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. Um, it requires us to deny ourselves. I have a picture on there of just a, a screen, that, uh, a windscreen in rain. And if you think about that, it's the instrument through which we see it. Clouds of vision um, in terms of if we want to follow Jesus, the way we see things is going to be affected by how we see things, how we interpret scenarios or circumstances that happen to us how we act on what we see and if we see it as an obstacle or not, okay? Still with me? So that's just, you get the picture, lenses. So let's go to some examples in Scripture. 2 Kings 6, verse 15 to 17. We can read from that. So just some context. It's the Syrian king is... Um, Basically, he's expanding his empire in the story, and he's conquering kingdom after kingdom, and he has brilliant strategy. It always works out. But when it comes to Israel, they make these plans, and then somehow his plans leak out, and Israel, uh, the king diverts this um, attack or trap that was set and the king is getting furious and he's asking the people in his inner court who in here is against me who in here is leaking out information to our enemy Israel and they say no king it's not any one of us there's actually a prophet that that's leak that's hearing what you say in your inner bedroom and telling that to the king of Israel it was before the CIA or Google's cameras watch watching us um, God showed the king of Israel what was happening in the king's inner room. And, yeah, he was obviously angry and he said, okay, we need to go get this prophet. And he sent out the army 
um, and they went and they surrounded the city, and that's where this piece is um, kicking off from. It says, when, and then um, Elisha and his servant uh, was there, and it says, when the servant of a man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant says, alas, my master, what shall we do? He was seeing the circumstances, the facts, this is what's happening. Maybe in that time he had whatever was the equivalent of YouTube. See what the Syrian army did against their enemies. It was you, hearing reports of what the Syrian army did when they captured their enemies. And that was what his brain was telling him is, we're in deep trouble. Um, and, I mean, that could have been a reality. It wasn't... Uh, was a probable reality that they might have been completely wiped. It's, it, that was the facts that he was seeing. But he was in doubt and fear because of what he was projecting almost to playing the movie forward in terms of what he was seeing. But then we see what Elijah, when he said that, Elijah said to him, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So Elisha prayed, and he, he almost, his eyes was opened to another reality, a bigger reality of what was really happening. The servant was looking at circumstances. He was looking at what he was seeing around him, and that was informing how he saw the movie play forward in that sense. But when his eyes were opened, he could see the reality of how God sees things. And many times that's the same scenario for us. We see things, we're like the servant. We see things happening, we see trouble is coming, and we almost freeze. It's, we go into that flight or freeze mode, and we start playing the movie forward of what's going to happen. And hmm? we go to Canada, we go to Australia, we go to England, all those places. DBS um, is a joke, but it's not a joke. Sometimes it's true. But hey, we're not, if God leads you to that, um, just make sure he leads you to that. Then it's, then it's fine. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, um, where God says um, he's calling his people to, to rest and to come back. And then they say, no, we will um, be on our, can't remember exactly, we will be strong and we will do it. And then God says, but your pursuers will be more swift. So just on Debbie's comment, sometimes we run away from our circumstances, but our circumstances, if we run away from God, will catch us. So let's just run to God. Um, but when we look at the South African environment, I mean, I had a meeting the other day and someone asked me, so what is your exit plan out of SA? Do you have a, what visa do you have in place? What's your plan out? And that's becoming, that's becoming a, 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 that's a standard thing. You, you seem foolish. Haven't you thought about this? Are you not caring for your family? Um, I mean, we could be seeing the same circumstances, what's happening in SA. One, you might be 
Um, looking at it from a redemptive point of view, God is changing the landscape, God is doing things, or you might be looking at it and thinking, I need to save myself and get out of here. Um, almost that, as if God is not in that, that future. And that speaks to almost exactly that scenario. I mean, the, the Syrian army is coming. We can see that the devil has plans for the country, right? God also has plans. And which one are we going to lean on in on? Which one are we going to allow our imagination to ponder upon? Is it the, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the fact that God has brought a million people together to, to pray for this country and in the next while the president was changed, um, which seemed improbable at the time? Um, is it the, think about the stories when the Western Cape had no rain um, for quite a while. The scientists were saying, this is the trend. It's, it's not going to change. The facts were saying that and Still, there was another reality. God intervened. And we can choose with what eyes do we want to look at things. Let's go to our next um, example. Um, Joshua. In, or not Joshua. Yeah, Joshua and Caleb, Numbers 13 to 25 to, to 31. Now, some background. Um, Moses sent out the spies to the promised land. I mean, imagine you were some of those select few that could get a sneak peek of a promised land. Huh? Say, Brunt, wouldn't that be great? You can get a sneak peek of God, what God has been promising us all this time. He led us out to Egypt by this time. They've been delivered from mighty Egypt. Um, they've gone through the Red Sea, like the song that we sang earlier. They saw water stop. They've gone through the Red Sea. And they survived the desert without anything being. I mean, they had manna. Um, Keith Green writes a song about manna. You can go listen to it. It's really great. But they've seen God by this time. They've, they've, they've seen the goodness of God. So they are the 12 ones. They go to get a sneak peek of a promised land. And we read there. The first few verses, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to this land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. We can see they've, they've seen the goodness in this land. This is the promised land. They see the facts. They see the scenarios. Um, this is, is really good. And then we see a group of them, if we look at the next slide, um, going on in verse 28. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak, and then they start mentioning all the descendants that's there. Still, this is all factually 100% true. They're not lying. They're not, they're not conjuring this up themselves. They're seeing the practical and logistic challenges. And that's, that's fine. Um, they see the giants. They just see these big giants. Um, and they are factually correct. Where do they err? Is the fact that they're playing the movie forward. 
they're seeing the challenges, they're seeing the giants, and then they basically, as we see later on, let's just read there from verse 30, but then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they played the movie forward without consulting God. They looked at circumstances rather than God's character, and through that lenses, they interpreted how things are going to work out. Um, see, the thing is, if God is with you, circumstances don't matter. God is with you. Circumstances don't matter. That's why one of our values at the church is bows and arrows, being sent. If you go to Canada, that's fine, but have a word of God that you need to go to Canada. Then we send you gratefully and we're excited with you. Um, but don't look at circumstances and make your decisions based on circumstances. Don't play the movie forward looking at circumstances. Look at God's character. Look at God and then decide where to go. Let your lenses be informed by looking towards God. Um, so they chose not to primarily focus on God's character and his goodness, um, which he promised them to enter the, the land, but they just chose to, to look at what they were seeing in front of them and take that as the ultimate reality and truth. And we see that these days a lot. I mean, the facts... No one was denying the facts. Caleb didn't say, hey guys, it's not true. Those giants weren't that big. They were actually just uh, two meters long, not 2.5 or three meters. They were seeing the same facts, the same circumstances, but they had different lenses. They interpreted differently. They saw it through the lenses of God's provision. They went through the same Red Sea as the others, they acknowledged the challenges, but did not see it as an end in itself. Um, they did not ha know how God is going to come through. If the others said, hey, how is this going to happen? They didn't have a detailed plan of how things are going to be solved, but they knew who their God was. And they knew because of that, they can go through this. And we see there that two of them chose to believe in God's goodness, and they were ones of those that went into the promised land despite all the logistical problems and things. And, I mean, with eyes of faith, while almost proposing that it be something when we choose God that needs to, to happen is, God is always going to lead us through scenarios when we follow him that is impossible. There's going to be giants. It's not, is there going to be giants? It's when there's going to be giants, multiple ones. Uh, multiple Red Sea opportunities because he's going to be glorified. If it's something we can do in our own strength, um, then we should question ourselves, are we missing something? Are we following God with this? If it's plain sailing and through this whole time, we're just reliant on our own strength. Are we trusting in God then in, in that sense? And are we making decisions looking through, through eyes of faith? We see in... Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my 
ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes we think our thoughts are God's thoughts, that we see the ultimate reality. What we're seeing, that is how it is. We see it clearly that God is not on our level. God is higher than our level, and we need to subject ourselves to God's lordship. Because he's not always, we're not always going to see everything, but we need to renew our hearts and minds in terms of continually coming back to his character, being focused on his goodness, and aligning his vision with ours. Just because we choose to follow him doesn't mean we can just stay as we are. God wants to come and give us new lenses of hope to, to look through. Some practicals. What are you filling your lenses with? What are you allowing to inform your um, subconscious? So to see through God's eyes, we need to choose Jesus daily. We need to continually die to our individualistic tendencies and worldly views. We need to acknowledge that and not because if we want to follow Jesus, we shouldn't be sidetracked by these things. Many times we have the real intention of following Jesus, and then when the giants come, we're like, okay, there's a legitimate reason not to follow Jesus through this, because, hey, look at the giant, look at the Red Sea. Sorry, Egyptians, we were wrong, we're back, please arrest us, take us back if you'd like. They probably won't, they'll kill you, but... The, the thing is, we're going to face those things. It's a, it's a fact. But how are we going to interpret those circumstances? I mean, no wonder James says, um, rejoice in various trials. Maybe it's unlimited trials. Rejoice in that um, so that you may become perfect, lacking nothing, becoming like Jesus. Those things call us to, to follow, to, to rely on God and to rely on him, um, and it requires us to repent and return to Jesus. Um, but what is feeding your perception of reality with? If you, if you want to follow him, there's practical things. If, you, if you're an athlete and you, I mean, I think they say for like athletes, your body fat percentage needs to be less than 10%. I think that's quite high. I don't really know a lot about those stuff, but Practically, that would mean, for instance, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, you need to give up a lot of things that you eat and freedom in your time because it's worth you um, sacrificing those things. And it's the same if we want to follow God. I mean, it's, if, if we say we want to be part of a Christian community in some sorts but not really follow Jesus, then I guess it's fine because our ultimate end is then not following Jesus. But if we want to follow him, we need to be serious about what do we take in. How's your news intake, your YouTube intake, your series intake? And it's not that uh, I won't say drop everything completely, but are you strong enough to really filter through those things? Can you handle all those bad reports that come the whole time that tell us about how bad the Syrians are and how bad the the giants are in the promised land. If we're so um, cognizant and present to all the problems, it's difficult then to follow God because we're always almost in a negative in our faith. And we, we need to trust God to be in that place where we first see how big God is and then look at our problems. Um, 
and what's one way of, of doing that? It's just that continual process of um, curating our hearts, the, the things we do our hearts. I have that picture there that looks at the ultimate end and then the heart looking at that. In, in Psalm 27, David kind of like gives and um, shows how he does it. In I don't have a scripture on there, but Psalm 27 verse 4, it says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. And then in verse 13, he goes on and he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When we behold God, our heart transforms and we see things differently. I think it's 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 that says, um, what does it say exactly? Does anyone know it off by heart? Um, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And we all, um, um, as we behold God, we change continually. That's the thing. As we seek his presence, we change the way we see things. You know the scriptures, Stephanie. Not? Not? Okay, okay. I thought maybe you can quote it for us. Um, but just, just that if, if we want to follow him, we need to see things differently. I say need. And no, our culture doesn't like it when we say we need to do fast. You must do that. But I think there's a principle behind it that if we want to follow him, our eyes can be changed to see things differently. Imagine you were one of the spies and you could see the giants, but you can also confidently laugh because, you know, in some way you don't know how, but God is going to bring breakthrough. Have you been in that circumstance in your life when you see, oh, it's, it's crazy even trying, but this is where we, I feel God is having us and we need to go through. I've seen that like even in a business sense where we've been at the start of a month, we didn't have any cash flow for salaries and, uh, yeah, what do you do then? Yeah. I mean, but we're laughing because God had told us to be here and we don't know how it's going to work out, but then it works out multiple times after times. We've been business for 10 years and the first 10 years, most of the time that was the case. And it, it, it almost later on, when we get new financial team members on, they almost think we're risking it. We're like... Um, um, irresponsible in the way we do things. And it's not because, it's not like we're like super great in faith and all of that, but I think just this, what I'm just trying to say through that testimony is just sometimes it's going to be a Red Sea moment. You're not going to know what's the next steps. And you can choose when to say, okay, playing the movie for it, shut the business, stop what we're doing, don't go on missions because there's not enough money to pay for plane tickets, whatever be the case. I mean, there's a lot of it, and, but we've seen how God comes through and allow your lenses to be changed to, to follow God in that. We know the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? Um, but also with that, our hearts, we're really good at wanting what, what we are getting what we want. And if we set our hearts on following God, trusting Him continually, He'll, renew, he'll be faithful and through that teach us how to renew our lenses, slot into the right places, but we almost have to choose, make the decision that we're going to follow him. Where there's a will, there's a way, and later the, 
will become the weight. In terms of faith, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the beginning, you can't see how there's an outcome, how there's a way through the Red Sea. Once you see how God takes you through, then it, you grow in your faith. And I think just coming back to we need to choose. And as we start closing, the verse that we've been looking at in Joshua 24 um, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerely and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your sight to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods and fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of your Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what I feel God is just putting before us is choosing the Lord. Don't just go with a I'm Christ, uh, once Christian, always Christian kind of view. You need to proactively choose to follow Jesus. Um, that decision has not been made for you. Just because you were born into a house like that, it doesn't mean you're Christian. You need to make that decision. And maybe you have previously chosen to follow Christ. You still need to make that decision when you come and you face the giant and you don't know how you're going to come past the scenario. You need to choose to follow to Jesus. And if it's, it's part of what he said in that we need to die to self. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear much fruit. So if we want to refresh our lenses and re um, the way we see things, we need to repent. Repent to refresh. That windscreen you want new, you want to see things the way Jesus sees, we need to repent and die to ourselves and turn to Jesus. Um, we need to align our diet, so to speak, with God's destiny for us, the way we spend our resources and our time. We want to start seeing things the way he sees it. Matthew 16. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I'll read it again. If anyone... Come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever who loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I mean, we can try and save our lives. We can run and make our own plans, go overseas or do this or do that, but... What does it profit a man if he does all of that, but he still loses his soul? We need to die to ourselves and give up our rights in terms of deciding what we feel is our right to see or how to interpret things and subject ourselves to God's ways. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And maybe we're like the, the man with a sick child in Mark 9 or the demon-possessed child when his child was demon-possessed and the demons couldn't be casted out. And he told Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. 
And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for him who believes. And immediately the father of a child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. Sometimes that's us. We just need to cry out, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this giant or go through this Red Sea. It, it, my mind is going crazy. I don't know how to go about this, but turn to Jesus. Let's turn to Jesus and just cry out, help my unbelief. And with that, I want us to close. And I think this the team that's going to give the um, elements. I just want us your thanks, Gary, as we, we come up. Just to make this decision in our hearts. If we want to follow God, are we going to give up our whatever is forming what we see? Stefani had this vision beforehand in church of um, looking over the wall and just having this expectation of more, of more of what God wants to do and just the kingdom. And I just feel there's a place where we sincerely want to follow Jesus, but we also need to, with that, give up our right to see as we like and interpret things the way we like, um, like it and submit to him. And with that, to, to think what is feeding our hearts, what is informing the condition of our hearts, and thank in the ownership of what we see. We can't just say, oh, we see the giants, and then want to be like the world and say, but you know what the giants do. We need to stop and say, what does God say? So with that, we can just close our eyes if we, as we go into um, communion. And if that's you this morning, after we've taken communion, just to, to come for prayer, whether it's you want to just pray with someone in terms of choosing the Lord, um, those desires you have, just bringing that to Him, or it's your, your eyes, you realize your, the way you see things keeps continually gets you on the path of swerving away from what God has for you or leading you in. Um, just come and bring that that someone can pray with you but just as we as we enter into worship let's just quiet ourselves and just for just going to give a minute let's just focus on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith it's just for a minute just become silent as we just speak to him just speak to him in your heart just come as you are if you are the one that needs to say help my unbelief but just run to Jesus
Jesus this morning. We're just aware again of our weakness and how far we fall short of just the glory of God. We just realize how far we fall short. Even on our best attempts, we fall miserably short of just following you, Jesus. We, we crowd and say, Father, we help us in our unbelief. Help us, Jesus, as we are running to you. That you are the only one that can save us, Jesus. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, Father. We just subject ourselves and our hearts to you and following you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, just for your guidance in that. Jesus, we just come to just take the, the bread that just reflects your, your flesh that was broken for us. Thank you just for your blood that flowed for us, that washed us clean when we could do nothing for ourselves, when we couldn't save ourselves through our best attempts, through our religious activities. Jesus, you paid the price so that we may draw near, that we may be one of your children, Jesus. Thank you for that. Jesus, as we just use communion, as we come still before him. pray with someone in agreement or anything else, just invite you to come to the front and if I ask a few leaders or small group leaders to also just join us at the front of that.